You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Great singing. Take your Bibles, if you will, to Numbers, Numbers chapter 13. And uh, we'll get started with our message tonight. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for those who are joining us online and through our radio station, WVFE 95.9 FM. Numbers chapter 13, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And I just have one word for you here tonight. One word. So that shouldn't be long, right? You know, pastor this morning was talking about having assistant pastors preach. And of course, uh, Brother Nathan preached uh, Wednesday night. And uh, then pastor specifically mentioned that uh, the, the assistant pastors are shorter uh, in services and so on and so forth. So I don't know if that was a hint or if that was a direct message, but uh, we'll, tr- we'll try and be brief here tonight. But uh, God has laid something on my heart that he's been dealing with me about. And I believe that it will be a help to you as well. And again, we're just talking about one word here tonight. You say, what word is that? I'll let you know in just a minute. Amen. Numbers chapter 13. And uh, how many need something from God here tonight? How many need God's blessing, God's power, and God's provision in our lives? And you know what? If we're standing here tonight and we're like, you know what? I don't really need that. Then you probably need it more than those who realize they need it. And uh, we need God's help to make it through the week, to make it through the day in order to do the things that he has for us to do. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. It goes on to list those men in the next several verses there. In verse number 17, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get ye up this way southward, and go up into this mountain, and see the land what it is. And the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit, of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. And it goes on to talk about how they searched the land and the things that they saw there. And verse 23, and they came unto the brook of Eskel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place of the, was called the brook of Eskel because the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And verse 26, And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land, whither thou sendest us. And surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Can you imagine being the children of Israel at this point in time in scripture, and we'll give a little bit of background in a moment, but wandering through the wilderness and often crying and complaining and not knowing 
in their minds what they were going to use to provide and getting thirsty and not seeing any water or coming to bitter water and not being able to drink of it or not being able to know what to eat. And again, God provided for them each and every step of the way. And God was leading them to the land that he had promised them. But throughout that journey, they didn't know what that land would be. And wandering through the wilderness and, of course, eating manna and eating quail, I don't imagine that in a desert place there were pomegranates, there were uh, grapes, and not just grapes, that grapes such that they carried a staff between two people and literally the cluster of grapes hung on that staff. And can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the thrill and the encouragement as those 12 spies were coming back into the camp after having been gone for 40 days? And no doubt maybe some of the people whose family they were were wondering, are they coming back? As they did with Moses as he went up into that mountain. But as they saw them coming, can you imagine getting excited? Hey, here they come. And they've got the report about the land that God has promised us. And they see the staff and the grapes and they see the baskets, no doubt, of fruits and the, the fruit of the land. And they come back and say, hey, this land floweth with milk and honey. And no doubt that'd be a time of excitement. Hey, this is it. This is what God has. Hey, this is what God's promised. And up until this point, there's probably an excitement going around the camp. And then we arrive at one word, one word our title for the message tonight, verse number 28 and verse number 1. What's that word there? Can you say it together? Ready, begin. Nevertheless. Let's say it one more time. Nevertheless. There's excitement. There's encouragement. Hey, this is what God has for us. And he tells the good part. And then he says one word, the word, nevertheless. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done. I pray that you would help me as I preach. I pray, Lord, that you'd calm my nerves. I pray that, God, you'd help me to have wisdom as I preach. May you fill me with your spirit. I pray that you would cleanse me of sin. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. I pray that at the end of this message, that, Lord, those that are discouraged would be encouraged. I pray that at the end of this message, that, Lord, we would have a renewed focus, a renewed desire to serve you, to continue to fight in this life for what's right, to continue to obey you with all that you've said. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Please uh, bless this message. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. One word, the word nevertheless. This word, nevertheless, follows some events that have taken place and a brief timeline of those events leading up to this place. And most of us know these and are familiar with them. But after Abraham demonstrated his faith in God, God promised to bless his seed. And not just to bless the seed, but to bless it as the stars of heaven. And the children of Israel entered into Egypt as invited guests during the reign of Joseph. Joseph died and there arose a Pharaoh which knew not Joseph, the Bible says. And the people changed from being invited guests to slaves. They were tortured, they were punished, they were beaten, they were oppressed, they were murdered. Their babies were murdered in front of them. And what did they do as a result? They cried out to God for a deliverer. And God sent Moses. And with a mighty hand and the ten plagues to get them out of the land of Egypt. And they saw many miracles as God sustained them in the wilderness over and over and over again. 
But yet during that time that God sustained him, and during those times of miracles, there were often times of unbelief. There were often times of doubt. There were often times of murmuring, the Bible says, and complaining. And you know what? It's easy to get down on the children of Israel because it's like, man, if I had the opportunity to walk through the Red Sea, hey, I, I believe that God is real. Hey, if I had the opportunity to be at Mount Sinai and see the, the thundering and the lightning and the cloud come down and then Moses comes down and his face is shining so bright that they had to put a veil over it. Hey, I'd believe God. Hey, if, if I saw manna appear out of nowhere and God provided that and then quails that God provided, hey, I'd believe God and I'd serve him and I'd follow him. But yet we have the written word of God and we still fall into the same trap. I wonder if the children of Israel look at us like sometimes we look at them. Hey, they didn't have something to read about to say, hey, these are our mistakes. Hey, these are our falters. Hey, this is our failure. And this is an example for you to do what's right. And they're looking at us saying, you know all of that, and yet you still complain. Hey, you know all of that, and you still wonder how or if God is going to provide your needs. And God sent Moses, and again, they saw many miracles, and God do all these things, and they arrived finally at the place that God had promised them. And they bring back a good report up until this one word, that word nevertheless. This word nevertheless changes happiness to disappointment. This word nevertheless separates doing what's right from doing what's wrong. This word separates faith from unbelief this word separates life from death. One word that will cost them literally the rest of their lives. One word that will cost even those who wanted to do right. Forty years of life because of this bad report that's brought up after the word nevertheless. The description following this one word would change the rest of everyone's lives who was present. What one word is holding you back from doing what God has already promised? What one word is holding you back from continuing the fight, from continuing to obeying God and doing what's right? We've all said, hey, I need God in my life. Hey, I want God's blessing and hey, I want God's power. There th then there are some things that we're going to have to instill in our lives by following God with obedience. What description is holding you back from stepping out by faith and doing what God has already commanded? I think of several words that are similar or synonyms to this word, nevertheless. And those words are the words, however. You know, you get these uh, mailers in the mail. I, you probably get them at your house, too. And I think they're deceitful to begin with. And I'm going to sue them and get a free car is what I'm going to do. <laughs> but it says there, you get this thing, and it's a little scratch off. And uh, it's like, if you get these winning numbers, you win. One of the grand prizes, and the grand prizes, you know, $100,000 or a new car or this or that or the other, and you scratch it off. And lo and behold, every number matches, and it's like, whoa, I'm a winner. And then you show up and say, hey, I'm a winner. And it says, up to $100,000, and they hand you a $1 bill. Or in one case, they were out of dollar bills, and they handed me a lottery ticket. I said, what is this? But... Uh, you know, you get excited, you think, hey, hey, you just won. However, it's up to $100,000, and here's your dollar. You won, winner, winner. And, uh, you know, the word but, it's like, hey, guess what? 
I'm going to give this to you, but you need to read this whole contract and do all these things and whatever else. Too good to be true. Hey, that being said, regardless, how be it? But again, words that you don't like to hear following some good news. And uh, sometimes you're waiting there as somebody's telling you, hey, do you want to hear the good news or the bad news? And I don't know about you, but I just say, hey, give me the bad news first, amen, and we'll know what's bad, and then the good news can follow that. But uh, they, they brought out this good report. The people were no doubt excited. Hey, this is the land. Hey, this is the fruit of it. And nevertheless, let's look at the three things that they mentioned here following that word nevertheless in verse 28. The first thing it says, the people be strong that dwell in the land. So nevertheless, what's holding you back from obeying what God has already said. What's holding back the blessings from flowing in your life? The first thing they said is, the people are strong that dwell in the land. You know what? I, I generally wouldn't think that that would be a problem. It's like, hey, look, the people are strong. Well, wait a second. We're strong. Hey, our God is strong. But you know what I think the excuse there is? I'm going to give you three excuses, and I'm going to give you the solution to those excuses. The first one is, the people are strong. So if the people are strong and they're going to use that as an excuse not to go in the land, what does that say that the people thought about themselves? That they were weak. Yeah. Hey, that there was something that they could not overcome, those people who were strong. Hey, that they, you say, hey, well, I'm too weak. I can't obey God because I'm too weak. I don't have the strength to deal with this. Well, I have good news for you today. Do you know that mentioning the people were strong, again, it would have been okay if they viewed themselves as being stronger. You know, there's a competition that takes place. It's an international competition. This competition is called the, the World's Strongest Man Competition. How many have ever watched that before? And you watch these guys, I mean, one of them, one of, they got like straps hooked up to these guys, and they're pulling a semi-truck. And I just looked up briefly, what were some of the world records from the World's Strongest Man Competition? The max deadlift it says 1,102 pounds. The max atlas stone, so literally a stone that's made out of concrete. They have to pick this stone up and put it on a four-foot platform. 552 pounds. But I don't think that these guys involved in this World's Strongest Man competition, if you were to tell them, hey, I'm entered in this competition, but hey, guess what? The people that are in the competition with you, they're strong. <laughs> I don't think that's going to intimidate them. Why is that? Because they are strong. Hey, because they've been preparing. Hey, they've been training. Hey, uh, they've been doing these things for years and years and years in preparation for the competition. So when you say the statement, hey, the people that you're facing are strong, they're going to say, well, that's okay, because I've been preparing. I'm strong as well. You may say, well, I'm not able to participate in the world's strongest man or woman's competition. Well, you could join the club that I'm in, amen. But how do we get strong? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Hey, where do we get strength from 
to overcome our adversaries. You say, hey, I'm not strong enough to face these situations. Hey, I'm not strong enough to deal with what's gonna, what I'm going to be faced with this week or what I'm dealing with. I, I don't think that I can make it. Well, I know somebody who can. And he can strengthen you. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 2 Corinthians 12, uh, the Bible says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather rejoice in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak... Then am I strong? How can we gain strength when we're facing battles that are too strong for us to go through? Hey, it's through Christ who strengthens us. And by the way, when we're weak, all of a sudden that's when God can step in and say, hey, but I'm strong. And that's when God's glory can be revealed and say, hey, how did you get through that? And we can say, I don't know, but I know who helped me. I know who got me through it. The people are strong. I am too weak. There's a song that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what He can do through me. No great success to show, no glory on my own, yet in my weakness He is there to let me know. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He'll carry us when we can't carry on. Raised in His power, the weak become strong. His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. We can only know the power that He holds when we truly see how deep our weakness goes. His strength in us begins where ours comes to an end. He hears our humble cry and proves again His strength is perfect. Nevertheless, the people are strong. But you know what? I know a God who's stronger Hey, we can get through these trials. Hey, we can get through these tragedies. Why? Because you know what? God's strength is perfect. Secondly, it says there, hey, you know, we can get through it with His strength and with His help. Secondly, it says, first of all, the people be strong that dwell in the land. Secondly, and the cities are walled and very great. So we've established that these folks don't identify necessarily as being strong. And by the way, even if they were strong, so if you had a, a group of the crowd that says, hey, these people are strong, and they're like, well, that's okay, because I'm strong too. Well, guess what? For all of you folks, the cities are walled and are very great. So what happens to that strength or that perceived strength when you're now facing a wall that's very great? You can't just bulldoze your way through it. I mean, uh, you, cement, you got a cement wall that's there or a brick wall that's there, and let's just go run right into it. Or let's take our fist, because we're strong, and let's just start pounding away. Let's just take our head and try and get through it that way. The strength is not going to be enough. So you say, hey, that's not a problem with me. I'm strong. Well, guess what? The cities are walled and are very great. You say, what is that likened to? The word that I think of with this is I'm not skilled enough. In order to get over walls that are tall and walls that are great, I think that there's skill that's involved. That skill is a strategy. A, a strategy. It's saying, hey, how can we get through this? What tools can we make in order to get over these walls? Hey, I think of one tool that would be a great tool to have is a catapult. 
and uh, let's do some things and let's put some, uh, uh, some oil on there and light it on fire and we'll start launching catapults. Or hey, maybe a big ladder or maybe some ropes with the hooks at the end and we'll throw those over and be able to get through. Nonetheless, it takes something more than just strength. It takes some skill to get through the cities that are walled. How do you get through a huge wall? You can't just run into it. You have to be smart about it. You have to have a plan of attack. But again, if God is on our side, you can do the unconventional and make walls fall down simply by marching around them and blowing a trumpet. But it wasn't the marching around and blowing the trumpets that got the walls to crumble down. It was the obedience to what God had told them to do. And by the way, that obedience was something that didn't make sense. So again, you say, well, the cities are walled. How, how in the world are we going to make it through there? Hey, I, I don't know of a plan to get through a city that's walled and attack it and defeat it. But you know what? It's not our skill that gets us through trials. It's not our skills that gets us through tragedies. It's through unconventional wisdom. It's unconventional logic. It's literally the power of God. It's literally obeying God when he tells us to do something and the walls can come crumbling down. In 1 Corinthians 1, the Bible says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that is the, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Unconventional wisdom, God's wisdom is different than man's wisdom. You know, one of the things that I keep hearing during everything that's taking place is, what, do you not believe science? Like over and over again, do you not believe science? Well, the last time I checked, the CDC has changed their, 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 their uh, descriptions and things repeatedly. It's like revision 102 and then revision 105. And, but wait a second, revision 108. And if we think for a second that they know everything, then we're sadly mistaken. But I know somebody who does know everything, amen? And by the way, say, they say, hey, do you trust the science? And, you know, before it was global warming and everything's melting and whatever else. And then it got so cold, they said, well, now it's not global warming. It's now climate change. Well, of course it changes, amen? There are different seasons. It gets cold in winter. It gets, gets hot during the summer. And if you want something different, go to Alaska, amen? And uh, you want to live colder, go to Illinois. And, uh, but you know what? The science. And you say, well, do you trust the science? No, I don't. Why is that? Because they taught me in seventh grade, Mr. Buckrops uh, told us in our seventh grade class that every one of us came from monkeys. That those worlds started with two atoms that collided together and that's how the world formed and then you were this and then you were fish and one day you decided you don't want to swim anymore and you jumped out on land and you lost your, your gills and you gained lungs and you, then you were monkeys and then whatever else and then whatever else. And sure, if you want to believe the science, then you can believe that, amen? But you know what? I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? God's in control. And, he, and, and that's not saying be reckless or be careless, but it is saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to obey God regardless if the science is telling me something different because God is going to take care of me. First Corinthians 1, the Bible also says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the mighty and the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. As soon as we think that we're smart enough that we've got it all figured out, there's some new science that takes place that, oh, we didn't know that before, but, but, but it's okay because we didn't know those facts before. God knows it all. He's the one who designed us. He's the one who created us. I'm so glad you don't have to be strong to be used of God. I'm so glad that we don't have to be skilled to be used of God. God just wants someone who simply believes in Him. He wants someone who simply obeys what He tells Him to do, even if the world is saying, hey, that logic is not correct. And God says, hey, give to Him, and it's going to be given to you. That logic doesn't make sense. How do you have more money in your bank account as you give more to God? That doesn't make sense. But it works because God is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The cities are walled, I'm not skilled enough. The people are strong, I'm weak. Lastly, it says, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Have you ever used somebody's last name maybe in school or maybe talking about someone? And uh, I know there's a few names roaming around town about folks that are uh, proficient in the martial arts capacity. Or maybe in the law enforcement realm, you mentioned somebody's name and they've had many contacts with law enforcement uh, in a bad connotation. And uh, you've got folks here, first of all, they're listed here. The fact that they're listed, the children of Anak, the fact that they're listed here tells me one thing automatically. They're not dead. And in war, you either lose and die or you win and are still alive. So arguably, these folks, first of all, are undefeated. Okay, when I wrestled in high school, you'd always look at people's records. You say, "Oh, this guy's you know two and 13. You'd be like, "All right, this is this is okay. I don't you know I don't need to prepare that much. You know, two and 13, two lo two wins, 13 losses. But if you looked at somebody, it's like 45 and 0. You start saying, "Hey, I need to move up a weight class for this time. Hey, I'm not feeling so well." And uh, these folks are undefeated. Not only are they undefeated, let's look at another characteristic about them. Look at verse number 33. And there we saw the, what's the next word? Giants. The sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. First of all, I see the people are strong, so the excuse is, hey, I'm weak, but hey, through God, we can have strength. Secondly, I see the cities are walled. You say, well, I'm not skilled enough. But you know what? It's not conventional wisdom that gets us through trials and tragedies. It's with God's help and unconventional wisdom through God. Thirdly, I see the children of Anak are there. They're giants. How do you defeat a giant? <clears throat> if you're faced with a giant here today, you're like, well, I'll get a sling. I'll sling it around and grab some smooth stones and hit him right in the eye and it'll be good. Well, you may be David, but I'm not. So how am I going to defeat a giant? You've heard the statement, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, how do you get them to fall? Okay. Well, all I can liken it to is wrestling. And when you got into the ring with somebody, into the mat with somebody, and they were muscle-bound, you know what you try and do? Tire them out. When you watch UFC, if you, I don't condone it, Grown men in there beating each other. I mean, that's horrendous. 
don't endorse that, but say you, you happen to watch it, you know, because you're over at Brother Caleb's house and that's what's on the TV. And, you know, you, you try and not watch, but you're, you're drawn to it. If there's somebody that's muscle-bound in there, what do you do? You don't let them touch you, amen? Because if they get a hold of you, they're going to break you in half and rip your arm off and beat you with it. So what do you do? You run around and make them tired. But you know what running around takes? Stamina. You say, hey, they're children of Anak. They're, they're giants. They're sons of the giants. So you say, hey, you know what? I don't have the stamina to fight. So for the folks maybe here who are strong, and maybe they say, you know what, I'm okay. Those people are strong. I'm doing okay. I'm strong. Hey, I've been, I've been lifting, you know, uh, tree trunks around, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong. And they say, hey, the, the walls are, are walled, and they're very great. And you say, well, you know what, I think I can figure out how to get through with that. But now, now you've not only got to be strong, you've not only got to be skilled, but now you've got to also have stamina. You say, well, what are you talking about there? Again, you have to wear them out. You know what? I hate cardio. If you're like, hey, let's go lift weights, it's like, okay, that's fine because that's more on my pace. You say, what are you talking about? You can change the weight, amen? <laughs> so you could start out small and build up. You don't have to get in there and give the 500-pound atlas. That's not how you start, okay? Maybe you just start with the bar and you say, well, I don't want to go lift weights because everybody will be watching. Well, that's why they have gyms that are open 24 hours a day, man. So you can go in there late at night when nobody's running, just lift the bar and struggle and grunt. The problem is there's nobody there to help you when you drop it. But I hate cardio. Why is that? Because cardio is endurance. It's not just quick. If you were to ask me earlier on, hey, you know what, do you want to race? Yeah, I'll race you from here to that door, amen? But if you're like, oh, no, this isn't, a, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. Like, those were curse words, a marathon. Like, when people talk about doing all these Ks, 5Ks and 10Ks and whatever else, it's like, no, no, thank you. You know, I'm not interested. But you know what's cardio is you build up over time. Say, hey, I don't have the stamina. Hey, I don't have the stamina to continue going on. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't know if you're anything like me, but you know what? I'm tired of hearing about everything that's going on. I'm tired of the fight that's taking place. It's exhausting to listen to everything that's going on over and over and over again. It wears me out. It makes me tired. It makes you just want to say, I can't wait till this year is over. And I saw a meme recently and it said, hey, our grandkids one day, we won't have to say, I walked up uh, 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 hills both ways in the snow to school. We'll just say, hey, 2020, amen, and it conquers anything that our grandparents had to deal with. But you know, we get wore out. We get tired. Tragedy after tragedy, finance bill after finance bill, health problem after health problem, trial after trial. But you know what, that's, that's life. But you know what? It'll all be over one day when we get to heaven. Amen. I'm tired of facing battles. I can't make it anymore, so I'm going to throw in the towel. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. How do we get stamina? By waiting on the Lord. 
How do we build up our cardio? By doing the things that God has already told us to do. That way when we're faced with the mountain, we've already built up some stamina with God. That way when we're faced with something that we couldn't overcome by ourselves, we've been faithful with the word of God. We've been faithful with praying. We've been faithful obeying what God has already told us to do. And then we'll have the ingredients to get through that tragedy. We'll have the ingredients to get through and obey God. Why is it? Say, well, why do we want to do that? Why do we want to obey God? Well, because we can have his provision. Because we can have his blessings. Because we can have his power. But let me just say this. What happens if we obey God? There's a crown that we receive when we get to heaven. And that crown is not for us to boast and walk around and say, hey, my crown's bigger than yours. Or look at how many that I have compared to you. No, it's to cast them at Jesus' feet and said, hey, you know what? I was able to do this for you. But what happens if we disobey? Hey, there's a crown if we obey. But what happens if we disobey? There's a consequence. If it was just the fact that, hey, <clears throat> if we don't obey God, then we just live a life and we just don't have his power and we just live by our own strength, then that would be it. But you know what? That's not how this event took place. The ten spies, the Bible says, were plagued. And everybody who murmured and was over the age of 20 would wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until they died off one by one by one. So it wasn't just about the fact that they didn't get to enjoy what God had promised. It was the fact that literally... They were going to die. No hope. Wandering around. Why? Because they disobeyed God. Because of that word, nevertheless. They bought in somewhere along the line that, hey, you know what? The people are strong. Maybe you feel like today I'm weak. Hey, the cities are walled. Maybe you feel like, you know what? I'm not skilled enough. I'm not smart enough to make it through the Christian life to deal with these things. Well, I know a God who can. You say, hey, the children of Anak, they're, hey, they're giants. I don't have the stamina. I just want to throw in the towel. Let me just say this. Hey, keep running on. Hey, keep fighting. Keep doing what's right. Keep running on. Hey, finish the course. Hey, keep the faith. One of the biggest boxing matches of the 20th century took place on November 25th, 1980 at the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. It was a rematch between Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. Duran had won the previous fight and was the favorite the second time around. He had a record of 72 wins and one loss. And he had won his last 41 fights. That is some winning streak. The rematch was said to be a close fight with the scorecards maybe differentiating by a point or two. But then something unthinkable happened in the eighth round that no one expected. Roberto Duran turned to the referee and said two words. No mas. No mas. Say, what is that? It means no more. It means I'm done. He quit. He wasn't injured physically. He wasn't cut up and bleeding all over the place that caused him to lose the fight. He was frustrated and he had enough. Here is a fighter who was one of the best to ever step into the ring he won a total of 103 fights. But when anyone mentions his name today, the first thing that a lot of people think of is no mas. People remember that he quit. 
You know what? Our lives are not going to be how you start or all that you've accomplished. Hey, look at all that I've done. What our lives mostly are consist of, what, how do we end? Amen. Let's finish well. Amen. How are people going to remember you? Every need supplied. Don't give up and don't give in, casting all your care upon him. You know, I've been teaching in my Sunday school class on a topic of shaken but not stirred, and we originated it with a, a, a king who said he was almost persuaded to be a Christian. Almost persuaded. Hey, you almost got me. I think of a young ruler that was rich that said, hey, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him what to do. The Bible says he left very sorrowful for he had great riches. You know what? Almost persuaded isn't where I want to be. I want to be one that says, hey, I can rely on Christ. One word, the word nevertheless. Hey, what's holding you back today? Maybe it's in the area of salvation. If you die today, are you 100% sure that you go to heaven? If not, today's the day you need to get it settled. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You say, well, how do I do that? It's faith. It's believing in what God has already said. And by the way, you're either going to believe God or you're going to believe the world. The choice is up to you. You're going to believe God's science or the world's science. But let me just say this. If you believe the world's science, then you're going to die and you're going to go to hell one day. God has promised us eternal life if we'll simply trust in Him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.